The Bible is the Word of God. The Catechism in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, the prayer book we use in the Episcopal Church, says, We call Scripture the Word of God because God inspired their human authors and because God still speaks to us through the Bible. What does this mean? Well, it means we believe in a living Word. This living Word is not a dormant or fixed Word, something that was only at its height set in stone 2,000 years ago. A scholar wrote this about Scripture. The depths and richness of the revelation of God in Christ is being slowly brought into actuality by the interaction of the Christ event, carried forward in tradition with the ever-expanding and deepening human experience in history. In short, the Christ event is not a radio signal that is strongest at the point of transmission and gets weaker as it gets geographically and chronologically farther from the tower. Sandra M. Schneider from her book, The Revelatory Text. In short, humanity has made progress, and we will continue to make progress, being led and inspired by the Spirit to understand for our times the power and the deep meaning of Scripture. The words and images in the Bible still speak to us today. Praying with Scripture continues to inspire and teach us and helps us discern God's call for our lives. Scripture is holy because these words are set apart for the purpose of God, reaching into our souls to offer us a window into the knowledge of deep truths and eternal wisdom. Welcome to Sacred Musings. In this episode, the fourth in a five-part series on Christian spirituality, we are going to look at God's presence found in Scripture and examine, literally, how God reveals God's self to us in life. I am the Rev. Jennifer Chatfield, the rector of St. Edmund's Episcopal Church in San Marino, California, and I'm delighted that you are here. We are going to explore two practices that will help us seek a deeper relationship with how God is present in the world around us. The first is a practice called Lectio Divina. This practice involves meditating on a passage in Scripture and allowing for a stillness in order to hear what this passage may be telling us. The second is a practice called the Daily Examine, inspired by St. Ignatius of Loyola from his classic work, The Spiritual Exercises, and used by Jesuits as part of their daily spiritual practice. In this first practice, Lectio Divina, the Word of God is the vehicle for divine communication. And in the second, we see how the actions and the events of our day are also ways in which our communication with God is and was present. First, Lectio Divina. 
I do believe the holy scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God and to contain all things necessary to salvation. These are part of a priest's ordination vows in the Episcopal Church. Necessary to salvation. Notice how we don't say necessary for salvation. What this means is that we believe that everything we need for salvation is in the Bible, not that everything written in the Bible is only that which will save us. There's a difference. Are there other ways to be in communication with God? Of course, using scripture is just one way along the journey of our formation. What exactly does being saved or the act of salvation mean? Being saved, unfortunately, has been misused over time to mean that unless one converts or says that Jesus is their Savior, they will burn in hell for all eternity. This turned me off early on from Christianity because I couldn't believe in a God who was that harsh. It was only when I realized that God was much bigger and more loving than some, in my experience, suggested, that I really saw the ice around my heart toward God soften and melt. As we have learned, God wishes for us to be in relationship. Salvation is reconciliation with God, being brought back into a functional relationship. This saved relationship is not an abusive or fractured relationship, but one where we are transformed into full-lived humanness. One scholar says that to be saved is to share with the fullness of human nature in the power, joy, and glory of the Lord. Scripture opens up our awareness of just how to live this fullness of life, how to infuse all aspects of our humanness with this awareness. Prayer and scripture is a combination that has been part of Christian spirituality for centuries. The 5th century St. Benedict wrote a rule of life for the monks of the 12 monasteries he founded. This rule of life was one that highlighted balance for one's life. Part of this balance was the practice of Lectio Divina, translated literally as divine reading. Lectio Divina is basically prayerful reading. This is different from looking at scripture as one would do in a, in a technical Bible study. In Lectio Divina, we don't look at history and or scholarship behind the written stories. The first part of the practice of Lectio Divina is reading a passage. Any passage will do. Sometimes we may want a passage chosen for us, and I will suggest some passages at the end of this episode. But more often than not, we may want to pick a passage that is stuck on our brain or one that we have heard at one point that still stays with us. There may be a reason why certain passages speak to us more than others, and perhaps this is something that we should examine. The parables are always good choices because they are stories that we can remember. 
After we pick a passage of scripture, then the next thing we do is we read it aloud. We can read the passage at a normal rhythm the first time, and then we read it again, slower, out loud. In this process of reading it aloud, we involve our ears, our mouths, and our minds, utilizing our whole selves, physical and non-physical, as we internalize the passage. In fact, in the Middle Ages, it was the practice to read aloud, hearing what was called the voices of the pages. John Leclerc, in his study on monastic culture, the love of learning and the desire for God, tells us that in antiquity, reading out loud was considered exercise by doctors along the lines of running or walking. Reading in this manner is active reading. If you've ever heard the term muscle memory or try to memorize something by engaging in exercise, you'll know what I'm talking about. Our physical selves can help us internalize. Remember from the first episode, Christian spirituality is an incarnational spirituality. Body and spirit go together. In reading the text slowly, we begin to meditate on the word noting what pops up for us, engaging our feelings and imagination as to how these words inspire us, confuse us, or challenge us. We open ourselves up to the text so that, in a sense, the text can speak back to us. A medieval monk outlines it this way. Read the text which leads to thinking about the text, one might call this meditation, which then leads to some sort of prayerful response, the movement of the heart toward God leading to contemplation and a deeper connection to God. Evan B. Howard outlines the history of Christian prayer and contemplation. And in short, For the first few hundred years, prayer was focused on spirit and scripture. Prayers were very brief, with the aim being mostly gnosis, or knowledge. Contemplation being thinking profoundly about something. From about 600 to 1200, during the early Middle Ages, we see the emergence of Lectio Divina, where contemplation becomes a desire for heaven. In the later Middle Ages, until the early 16th century, we see that as devotions came into the vernacular, there was a shift toward meditation where contemplation equaled a higher state of consciousness. Universities and monasteries were the context for most of this activity. And for the past 600 years, we see that the aim in prayer is tailored to each school or community's goal. So contemplation as the final stage of Lectio Divina can be varied. For instance, a deep contemplation or connection with God may lead you toward social justice or toward mercy, compassion, or creativity on some level. The ultimate goal of spiritual maturity 
must always lead to service on some level, reaching beyond our own sense of satisfaction. Now, if I was listening to this episode for the first time, as you all are, I'd probably get stuck on the last part of the Lectio Divina process, the part where we are supposed to arrive at contemplation, where we are to arrive at a deeper connection with God. Now, I would ask the question, how do I know that I have connected with God? How do I discern what I think I've heard is from God? The next part of this question would then be, or is it from a darker or less than good-intentioned source? It's okay to say evil. Of course, when we say evil, our minds go to horror movies or obvious evil acts in the world. And let's be clear, there is obvious evil in the world. But sometimes evil can be a little less obvious, like a subtle nudge towards negative thoughts or destructive behavior. In order to discern, first we must have faith. Faith that involves trust. Remember in the third episode of this series, in order to develop a prayer life, we have to believe or trust in the one whom we think hears our prayers. And we must trust in the promise that God has made, the covenant to be with us and to be intimately involved, which is demonstrated in the Incarnation, what we call the Christ event. We trust that God loves us and wants us to have this fullness of life. St. Ignatius of Loyola gives us some advice. In his most comprehensive work titled The Spiritual Exercises, Ignatius gives us some rules for what we call the discernment of spirits. In plain terms, how do I know what I have heard in contemplation, what is good and what is evil? In a contemporary translation of Ignatius's work by Jesuit David Fleming, Ignatius tells us, the evil spirit proposes to us all the problems and difficulties in living a good life. The evil one attempts to rouse a false sadness for things which will be missed, to instigate an anxiety about persevering when we are so weak, and to suggest innumerable roadblocks in walking the way of the Lord. And so the evil spirit tries discouragement and deception to deter us from growing in the Christ life. The good spirit, however, strengthens and encourages, consoles and inspires, establishes a peace and sometimes moves to a firm resolve. To lead a good life gives delight and joy and no obstacle seeks to be so formidable that it cannot be faced or overcome with God's grace. The good spirit thereby continues an upright person's progress in responding to God's continuing invitation. Now, there's a caution here. 
to not be so quick to judge others for their belief or non-belief as good versus evil. The advice here, rather, is to discern our own connection with God and to be concerned with what God is doing in our own lives and not to worry about what God is doing in the lives of others. This brings us to what Ignatius calls consolation. Again, in in translation by David Fleming, more simply said, consolation can be identified with any increase of our faith, our hope, and our love. A deep down peace comes in just our living life as being in our Father's house. Back to faith and trust. We must always look at our intention. We always have free will. We have to want this connection on some level, even if we don't know what it is. Our will matters. The Latin for will is cardia. Does that sound familiar? Cardia. The prefix for so much that involves our heart. Our will is our heart, and as our heart bends toward God's purposes, so does our will bend towards God's will as we mature in our spiritual life. As our will seeks God, remember what Jesus tells us in Luke. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If we have the will, Jesus will show us the way. What is the goal of spiritual maturity in the Christian context? Our spiritual experiences must always lead to expression, which is service. The formula for experience leading to expression, as all the mystics and many theologians before us would express, is a marination in a Christ-centered devotion, leading us to the discernment of spirits for the good, which calls us to service. Basically, the love of others and this expression of love for others, for the sake of a transformed world. This concept of service as an ultimate goal is what we hear in 1 John. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. These few episodes on Christian spirituality are not an exhaustive study or a compilation. They are meant to give you a sense of the richness of our tradition, that to be a Christian is not to simply recite scripture, 
or to agree about doctrine. The point of this course is to give you a taste so that you might want to begin an exploration. It is often difficult at first to do this on your own. We are also lifted up and supported by being in community, by communal prayer, which we will talk about in our final episode. As much of the Book of Common Prayer is made up of prayers from Scripture and said aloud in community, we, we pray a lot more Scripture than we, we think on any given Sunday. Christian spirituality, of course, is a lifelong journey. We learn what speaks to us, and God does speak to us in languages that we can understand. Reading scripture and praying with scripture is foundational. This, of course, along with formal study of the Bible as well. Well, most Bible studies help us to put scripture in context by looking at its history or what tradition has said about scripture. Praying with scripture helps us to give the words meaning in our daily lives. There is a real presence in scripture that goes beyond the surface of the literal words. So let's look once more at Lectio Divina. At this time, find a comfortable place to sit. And once again, take some time to focus on your breathing intentionally letting go of the stresses for the moment with each inhalation and exhalation. Take as much time as you need, remembering that with each inhalation, you are breathing in the opportunity for new life, new life-giving sustenance from the Creator. When you are feeling relaxed enough and centered enough to continue, think about the Bible. Is there a passage that pops into your mind? Is there a passage that speaks to you? Is there a passage that you don't understand? What Bible passage comes to mind? Now give yourself some time to see if something pops into your head. Now, if nothing comes to you, seek out a gospel reading, maybe the gospel reading for the upcoming Sunday. And you can find this online if you look for the Revised Common Lectionary. Choose a parable that may come to mind. This can also be a passage that you choose beforehand in preparation for this exercise. So once you have your passage of scripture and you have come to a relaxing position, read the passage out loud. Listen for any word or phrase that sticks out to you. Don't try to overanalyze. This is important. So just sit in quiet with this for about three to five minutes. After you've given yourself 
three to five minutes. Read the passage aloud again, maybe a little slower this time. Listen again to the words, paying particular attention to whatever word or phrase that initially stuck out to you in the first reading. And then sit with this for another three to five minutes. Now I'm going to ask you, after you have done this, to read the passage out loud again. This time, reflect upon the word or phrase that has stuck out for you. Again, do not analyze it, but contemplate why it might have stuck out to you in this moment. What might God be trying to tell you? Again, take about three to five minutes of silence. After three to five minutes, read the passage once again. Now this time, you are invited to respond to the reading. What is your response to the particular word or phrase that stuck out to you? What thoughts or questions does it raise for you? What does it maybe make you want to say to God? Give this three to five minutes. And finally, read the passage one last time. As you hear the passage for this last time, let any questions or thoughts you have about the passage kind of quiet down. Take some time to rest in the words of scripture without having to think or respond. Simply sit quietly and let God complete whatever work has already begun in you. Write down your experience and what may or may not have come up for you. How might this passage speak to your life and your everyday activities and thoughts? What, if anything, might God be calling you to do? This second exercise is often called the Daily Examine and is found in The Spiritual Practices by Ignatius of Loyola. Variations of the Examine can be found online, especially on Jesuit websites or from different interpretations of the original work. As a source for this exercise, I am using a variation found online put out by the Yale Youth Ministry Institute. The following is taken directly from their website. 
St. Ignatius introduces us to the daily examine in his spiritual exercises. This practice begins from the recognition that God reveals himself to us in countless ways throughout the day. Yet we are often too busy or caught up in ourselves to notice. The examine is a daily prayer exercise that invites us to recognize the presence of God, not only in moments of silent prayer, but throughout all the events of our day. This practice helps us move from a self-centered way of living to a God-centered way of living. By prayerful reflection upon the events of our day, we become more aware of the ways that our thoughts, feelings, and attitudes affect our actions. In other words, the way that our being affects our doing. Prayerful reflection on the day draws us into a new way of being, a loving way of being, from which compassionate actions naturally flow. We begin by giving thanks, expressing gratitude. This helps us to focus on the positive blessings in our lives rather than on the negative hardships. Ask yourself, what do you have to be grateful for today? What are the big things that are easy to give thanks for? And what are the smaller things that you often forget to give thanks for? Take about two to three minutes on this. After a few minutes, we move on to the next phase. It is often easy for us to get so caught up in our own anxieties that we do not see our lives as God wishes us to see them. Take a deep breath in. And as you breathe out, release all the stress and control you are holding on to. Open your heart to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who lights up our darkness and shows us the way of peace, joy, and love. Again, you're going to give about two to three minutes on this. After a few minutes, we go on. Think back to the moment that you first woke up this morning, when the day was young and your eyes first witnessed the light. Try to trace the events of the day through each successive moment, from that first moment of awakening all the way through to the present moment. As you go through the events of the day, reflect on your inner reactions. How did you feel in each moment of the day? What was your attitude toward life in each moment? In what ways were you aware of God? Take about three to five minutes for this one. After three to five minutes or whenever you're ready, move on to the next. As you think through your day, you may come across some moments where God felt far away. 
You may observe some moments when you did not act as you would have liked to act or when you did not do all that you could have done. When you come across one of these moments, focus on the thoughts and feelings you had around it. How did your attitude affect the way you acted or failed to act? You might want to take three to four minutes for this. Notice these moments so that you can recognize similar moments as they happen in the future. But then let these moments pass away. There's no need to judge or condemn yourself and no need to hold on to these things. Awareness of these moments alone will destroy what is not good and illuminate what is good. Know that God accepts you in all your imperfections and that you are free to accept yourself. Give yourself two to three minutes for this. And finally, ask God to shed light on your day tomorrow. As you think about the potential joys and challenges that tomorrow may bring, pay attention to the feelings that accompany these future events. Allow these feelings to become prayers. Pray that God may renew your thoughts, feelings, and attitudes so that you may face whatever challenges lie ahead with peace, confidence, and trust in the God who lights your path. And once again, give yourself two to three minutes for this. Presence, gratitude, review, sorrow, grace. These are the five steps to keep you focused in this examine. In this episode, we learned how to pray using the voice of Scripture to illumine how God's Word speaks to us for use in our daily lives. We also learned to examine our day, to see how God speaks to us in our everyday lives. As we mature spiritually, we learn. We learn to see how Scripture nourishes us so that as we examine our days, our joys, our sorrows, our successes and failures, all of it comes into the realm of connectedness. Connectedness with God. God reaching into our souls to offer us a window into the knowledge of deep truths and eternal wisdom. <laughs>